This is the City Place Church Podcast. Here at City Place, we build dreams, ignite faith, and establish leaders that win the lost for God's kingdom. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are empowered by the message. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you this Sunday morning. I am so excited to be with you. Now, I am going to need you to go online and do what you do. Download those notes, cityplacechurch.com backslash notes, because we're getting ready to get in God's word. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking uh, specifically about our finances, but it's in a larger series, a bigger umbrella. We have been talking about breakthrough. We've been talking about how God, when he steps into the equation and he wants to break through our lives, it is something seamless for him. David says, you broke through like water. And this morning, I believe that God is going to give us a new principle as it relates to our finances. Over the last couple of weeks, pastors have been talking to us about some foundational principles in our finances. We're going to take that this morning and we're going to elaborate upon it in a, t a sermon title that I have entitled Directed Money. Can you say that with me? Say Directed Money. That means that our money, our finances, need a direction this morning. They need a God direction and a God plan. We don't just wake up one day and say, you know, I'm here to live and tithe and die. And whatever my money does, it does, right? We don't go somewhere like on a main road trip and just say, wherever I end up, I end up. Absolutely not. We do what? Old school, we print out them directions. New school, you pull up that GPS and you figure out exactly where you're going. And we're going to talk about that this morning as we dive into directed finance, directed money. Let's do a quick recap because over the last couple of weeks, pastor's been talking about five areas in our life that if we're just understanding the numbers, if we were gonna just pull up a chair together and talk through money, there's five areas that we would talk about as we would teach a class, right? In those five areas, do you remember them? We talked about earning, spending, saving, investing, and giving or generosity. Those would be the five areas that we could make sense of this morning as we just looked at the numbers. We just looked at the dollars and cents. We took the emotion out of the finances. And we've said this a lot. Pastor and I have committed to talk about everything that needs to be said in God's house so that you and I can actually break through. I don't know if you are like me or your church experience has been like mine, but I never got an instruction in the area of money until I was well into my adult years. I think about all the times I was walking with God and trying to honor God, and so much of it was guesswork. And so we've committed to have these conversations so that we can together experience true breakthrough. So we talked about the five areas that would be consumed with our numbers if we were just to put the numbers on the paper. But then we talked about beyond the numbers. This is where God really sees these five areas. And I'm going to recap them quickly for you. Earning. God, if God were to look at our earnings, if God were to step in the equation, he says, you know, there is calling and then there is compensation. We are sometimes focused on the things, uh, the, the earthly nature, like how much are you paying me? How much am I coming to the job and what's my check going to be? This is what determines how we live and what we can do. It's my compensation. But God might say, I'm way more interested in your calling in what I've actually called you to do and what I've created you for than your compensation. And that's one of the things where God might challenge us in the area of earnings. How about in the area of spending? We talked about this over the last couple of weeks where God might challenge us in the area of contentment 
versus consumerism. And if you remember, Pastor Damon a couple weeks ago asked us this question, are you satisfied? Are you comfortable? Are you okay with what you have? You know, I shared a story uh, with those who were attending in person and I shared how I was, the Lord has been dealing with me in the area of excess and, and somebody came to come help us and we were cleaning out our house, getting prepared and just kind of gutting some areas that had gotten overrun with stuff. And I realized that as I went through closets, as I went through pantries, as I went through all of the areas in the nooks and crannies that I was essentially consuming and in some cases for no reason and even mindlessly. And so God would definitely say, okay, are you content with who I am and what I have for you? Or are you just engaging in, in consumerism? How about in the area of our spending? And pastor challenged us with this question, are we God dependent or independent? Now, come on on this one. We need to take a quick pause because there's a whole lot of, of kudos and accolades for those of us who are like, I'm independent. I don't need nobody. But God did actually not create us this way. He created us to be dependent upon him. In fact, he gives the children of Israel daily manna for them to feed on because he says, I want you to feed your bellies every day, but I need you to depend on me to do it. I didn't make you all big and bad by yourself. God dependency versus independent. In the area of investing, we talked about this idea of stewardship versus ownership. Now, this is one of my personal favorites because it's honestly the area where I would say I am convicted the most. God is the one that owns all of the things. And we get the opportunity to do the work, but we are stewards or managers and not owners. And there's a huge difference in that. You know, there's a huge premium placed on ownership. But in God's eyes, God's house, his whole scale of economy is very different. And when you and I understand that we steward what he gives to us and that everything that we have belongs to him anyway, it changes our mindset. And lastly, under the area of generosity, we talked about this idea of giving versus misery giving versus misery. Now, I don't know about you over the last couple of weeks, but I would ask you to, to really let some of these words, let some of these dichotomies, this versus that, sink in and ask the Lord, God, where are you dealing with me? Where are you dealing with my house specifically? Maybe you've had, like me, growing up a, a freestyle sort of mentality about money. And I'm asking you, God, this morning to speak to me afresh, to teach us, to give us a blank slate and not a hard heart this morning as we begin to get in your word. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, our, our scripture that will guide our time says this. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful attention or give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. This scripture we've been talking about for a couple of weeks because I know sometimes we can resonate with this idea of holes in our pockets. It's like God says twice as he bookends this verse, give careful thought to your ways. Give thought 
And even this morning, as we said, God, where, where do I maybe have a, a messed up, a warped view on money? Give careful thought to your ways. Where am I off, God? Help me. Teach my heart. Direct my feet. Where are there holes in my pockets? Have you ever felt like what you're putting your hand to, maybe where you work and what you're doing is not enough? Have you ever had more months at the end of your money? Have you ever experienced a time where everything that was in your heart to do, you didn't have enough to fulfill it? I don't know about you, but regardless of whether finances feels like a daunting topic or whether it's something where you feel blessed, there are things in our hearts that God is speaking to us to do. I don't know about you, but even just this morning, driving, thinking about this message that God would have me teach, that what God wanted to say, I was thinking about all of the things that are in my heart. God, I want to do so much more. And I don't have the resources right now on this day to do them all, but I can see a day where you will use me to advance your kingdom. So I've got two questions for you as we kick off our time today. You ready? You ready for your notes? Here you go. Here's the first one. The first question is, how much money is too much? I'm going to give you a second because I mean it to be both rhetorical and not rhetorical. How much money is too much money? When is enough enough? Because sometimes when we get to talking about this topic, there will be the naysayers, the people who are like, that's right, that's all the church wants is, is my money. I don't know why the pastor's talking about this topic. I don't know why you have to be that involved in my personal affairs and what I do with my finance. Isn't that enough for you? But my question is not for the church, it's for you. How much money is too much money? The answer is simple. Whatever amount replaces God in your life. You see, I get the privilege to work with uh, millionaire entrepreneurs every single day. And I can tell you from experience that there can be people who have $100 million in the bank running multi-million dollar businesses all across the globe that can still anchor their hope and their faith in Jesus as the owner of it all. And then there are individuals that I come across every single day at the grocery store, in my everyday life, my neighbors across, across the street who would say, I won't give the person on the corner $10 because I'm not 100% sure where that's going to go. The question is not about how much money. It's about what amount of money actually robs your dependency away from Jesus. You see, for some of us, we get $10 good dollars more than we expected. You find $10 in your jeans right after the wash, and you're just like, yes, I don't need God. I'm not praying my way through. I've got enough with this $10 to go get me some good lunch and everything I need. But you take that same $10 for somebody who literally has absolutely nothing, or somebody who lives in a third world country, and they will, they will understand that God's provision has just descended upon them. You see, this idea of money isn't necessarily, the, uh, the, the answer is not necessarily a finite number that I can give you. But you know, and I know, when money reduces your dependency on God. 
let me say that again in a slightly different way. You know and I know that for some of us who have uh, a good thing going, good systems, good jobs, routine, money coming in, that it reduces our dependency on God. So the answer to that is whatever replaces God. You see, for those who have a lot of money, God desires for us to, to dig in and to seek him and to say, God, where would you use me? Where am I supposed to be a funnel? It's a drawing close to God to answer the question of what do I do with what you've given me? And for those who don't have enough money, God still desires for us to draw close to him and to say, God, I, I need you. You are the source of my strength and my finances in each circumstance, whether we have excess or not quite enough. God's truest desire is that we would draw close to him on the account of money. Second question that I have for you this morning as we dive in, does your money have a purpose? It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question that I have for you today and I don't even want to give you, I don't even want you rather to give me your first gut reaction of an answer. The question is one that says, does your everyday earning, spending, saving, investing, giving, does it have a purpose? And let me put it to you like this. We earn income. Many of us save something. Many of us invest something. Many of us spend something. But why do you do that? You earn something so that what? You save something so that what? Do you see where we've gone over the five pillars? And there's a line here in between investing and giving. And if you think about it, I, I looked over this slide and I felt like the first four things were representative of us. Of us in the mix. Earning, spending, saving, and investing were things that you and I depend on in our, our daily lives for us to survive, for us to get our needs met, for us to uh, uh, manage. And, and sometimes, frankly, we even get this piece twisted because remember, we're not owners, but managers. But the line really draws between the investment and the giving, where for many of us, God steps in the equation. In fact, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, many of us spend the first four categories, and we don't even think about including God in that. I'm going to spend this way or earn this much or save this much or even invest this much, oftentimes without God. The second arrow that I've drawn here is because sometimes you and I even get into a trap as it relates all the way, starting from earning all the way down to our giving. And in some cases, we can even be void of God, even in our giving. I remember as a little girl, I, I, I grew up in a very traditional church. I didn't understand tithes. I didn't understand offerings. I didn't have a personal connection to it. I was never taught as I shared. And I, I remember many a times, many of services that my grandfather would take a $1 bill out of his wallet. He would crumple it up, pull it, put it in his hand and slide it. I typically sat two seats down from him in the pew and he would slide it my direction. And that was my offering. I didn't have any thought 
over giving. I, I had no idea of the biblical understanding or, or the request of our family. I didn't have any sacrifice to bring anything uh, to church. I didn't even know what it meant to set something aside for God. So even for me in the area of all of the things that was, were brought into my life, all the way down from giving, God was completely excluded from the equation. And so my question for you this morning is in the area of all five pillars, earning, spending, saving, investing, giving, does your giving, does your finance as it stands as a whole have a directed purpose? Proverbs 29, 18 says it like this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. See, the Bible instructs us sometimes in small ways and in big ways, in overt ways and subtle ways, that we are to rely on God and follow after his vision. It is to have direction where there is no vision that people perish. I wonder this morning if you could give yourself just a little check, just a little pulse check of how things are going in your finance. I would ask you, where is God's presence in your finances? You see, there's this idea of God equipping us as believers, as his children, to be able to do two things on the earth. One is to advance his will, and the second one is to align with our hearts. Let me break this down for you. I'm in a situation where I'm just praying boldly, and in this season, I've been declaring some things. I've been uh, like literally saying with my mouth some things out loud where I am just believing God to have a different level of faith and authority as it relates to money. Now, that's not always been the case. And, uh, and I didn't always have that understanding. We certainly did not always have money when I was growing up. But I'm just in a place right now where I'm asking God to give us, our family, his heart that will frankly outlive us. And one of the things that he's beginning to show me is that finance is something that he deeply wants to be involved in in our life, but it has to do with his will and our heart. One of the things I've been declaring is that I don't want to ask permission for my money to do the things that is, are in your will, God. So if there is something that the scripture tells me that as a believer, I am to do, I am to advance the kingdom of God. I am to be a blessing. I am to be a funnel for the kingdom. If it is in your will, I don't want to request permission from money to do your will. That is my prayer. But the second thing that I'm asking the Lord is if there is something you have aligned my heart and if my knee is bent to your will, if I am completely at your direction and whatever way you would take it, if you have impressed something on my heart, God, give me the resources to be able to equip and do the things that I feel. I say this boldly because when we are praying for the day-to-day, God, will you keep the lights on? God, will you put gas in the car? God, will you meet my basic needs? We are no longer able to say, God, where is your will? And this is my heart where I desire to advance your kingdom. So we don't need excess. We don't need permission from our money, but we do need provision for the vision. We need provision for God's vision. We need provision for what he's speaking to us in our hearts. 
This is my prayer for you this morning. And under this context, with this spirit, will you go with me this morning to Matthew chapter 25? It's going to be a familiar scripture, but I'm going to ask you to receive it and listen to it with new, fresh, open eyes. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. For many of you, you'll know this is the parable of talents. Now I'm going to pull out a couple of things and right where you are, I'm going to need you to repeat after me while you're home because there's some things we need to pull out in this story. You ready? We're going to go about 14 verses deep. Go with me for it will be like a man going on a journey. This is a parable who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to the other two, to another one, to each according to to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once, somebody say at once, right where you are, say at once, at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he had the two talents, he who had the two talents made, somebody say made, two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the masters of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me the five talents. Here, I made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward, same thing. Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I made two more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enjoy into the joy of your master. Verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, somebody say afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. We've heard this story before. You probably heard and understood and maybe even uh, extrapolated some of the, the precepts from this passage. But did you know that in this day, one talent, we've talked about two talents, one talent, and five talents, one talent was equivalent roughly to 20 years of an annual wage. Let's do some quick math. The median income in the United States is roughly $50,000, a little bit more than that now. Let's times that by 20 years and we arrive at a nice ripe sum of one million dollars the man with just one talent had one million dollars the one with two talents two million the one with five talents five million dollars this is not chump change we're not talking about pennies we're not talking about something that was insignificant 
when the master left, he left his servants with valuable resources. Now, truth be told, this scripture is about uh, the kingdom of Christ and, and how he leaves us with his most precious commodity. And what's the most precious commodity to Christ? It's souls, it's salvation, it's what we're doing with our time. But he uses the analogy of money because he knows that we will get this concept. He knows that at the end of the day, it's our desire for us to have our resources and our influence grow. And this passage teaches us something. Remember the words I asked you to repeat that the first one went, he did what? Immediately he reacted. He, 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 the first servant had a desire to say, okay, hold on. If my servant, if my master is going to leave me, if he's going to leave this valuable resource in my care, I don't have any time to waste. I'm going to make haste. I've got stuff to do. I've got a strategy to put in place. I wonder how often you and I have received a word from the Lord, an unction, a feeling, a sense that we are to do something or change something. How many times have we showed up on a Sunday morning or, or tuned into a live stream and been like, I feel like God is speaking this to me. But part two, and a little bit of no shame in the game and a little bit of tough love all in the same conversation, how many of us have said immediately, it's time for me to put to good work, God, what I feel you doing. See, there's a difference between understanding what God is saying and putting your feet to work. We learned three things of what God rewards in this passage, and I want to break them down to you. They're, they're really easy to see in this scripture. God rewards three things. Are you ready? This is found in your notes. He rewards immediacy. We already talked about how the servant reacted immediately, how he was quick to say, I am on the move right now. He rewards initiative. The servants did get a crash course lesson in how to invest their money. They didn't figure out if it was guaranteed going to work. They just got on the move and said, I am going to take some initiative. I'm going to do some things. I'm going to make sure that my master is proud of me when he returns. I'm not showing up with what he gave me. I'm going to put some initiative. I'm going to bring my best self to this, and I'm going to act accordingly like my master has spoken. The third thing that we see in this passage of scripture is faithfulness. In fact, when the master comes back, he says, my good and faithful servant. God is desiring for us to have these three characteristics, for us to react to him when he is speaking to us, when he is telling us, when he is prompting us to give or to be generous or, or a way to save or a plan to invest or, or some way for us to shave back our spending or, or to go and be bold and ask for the promotion. When God says these things, he is intending for us to believe him. He desires immediacy and our initiative. For us to understand that the things that are, uh, as we said, difficult things are uphill habits. They're not easy to come by. It's not for you and I to quit at the first sign of something being hard or inconvenient. He wants to find us faithful. But we also find in Scripture the three things that he's not cool with. Things that he doesn't dig as it relates to our finances. And we have to understand these just the same so that we make sure that we are on the side of the servant that says, you good and faithful servant, I will give you more. In order to do that, these are the things that we are not, that he doesn't dig. And that is a couple words that aren't our favorites. 
laziness. He called the last servant slothful. Come on, how many times have we had the ability to strategize and to do what God is causing and calling us to rise up in our finances, but we just feel like it. I want the latte instead of, I, I, I want the extras. I want to be able to live in the freedom of no budget, God. Don't ask me to do something difficult. He calls the servant lazy. This is the one I love, but also don't love because I can resonate it with what I'm like, God, but don't you want to give him some grace? He says, the, the servant returned to the master, the last one with one talent. And he said, I know how you are. And I was afraid. Can we be honest this morning? There's no guarantee that what we put our minds to, but what we put our hands to, that how we invest, that where we go, that where we drop our money, that it's not, the bottom's not going to fall out. And sometimes we can be afraid because the world we live in has no guarantee, no return policy. Nobody's coming to save you. But God says, I'm not interested in stroking your fear. I need you to trust me with your money. I need you to trust me with your money because this excuse of being afraid is not good enough. And the last thing that he tells the servant is, you didn't do anything. You literally took your energy. You took your good energy, your good sweat, and you dug a hole. You know what happens when you dig a hole? You go and you use the shovel and you use your energy to go into the ground, and eventually it says the servant dug it up. So you took your good sweat, your good muscles, your good energy, your good strategy to be able to utilize your financial situation, and because you're fearful or slothful or, just, or, or you just have a lack of action, you dug a hole, and then you ended up digging it back up. He says, you have a lack of action that I cannot tolerate. You see, if we're going to experience breakthrough, we have three things that we can take away to be the servant that God is pleased with, my good and faithful servant. Three areas this morning, three things that are undeniably found in this scripture that we can walk away with today and say, God, I'm ready for you to direct my finances. I give you control to use the compass, use the roadmap, use the GPS to get me to where I'm going. The first thing that we need, and this is found in your notes, it requires an unapologetic habit of drawing close to God for financial direction. We talked about this earlier, how much money is too much. Whatever draws you away from God is too much. But when we unapologetically draw close to the heart of God, it's difficult to miss. It's difficult to miss the words. It's difficult to miss the direction when we say, I don't care what you give me. I don't care what it means. I don't care. I'm not interested in the things. I'm only interested in drawing close to you. A good heart check for this is how we behave when God doesn't do financially what we want him to do. Unapologetic 
habit of drawing close to God will get you financial direction that is necessary to continue on the journey. Pastor read this a, a couple weeks back, I believe, by Shannon McClay. It was this quote. It said, if you're forced to do something and you don't really embrace it from a mindset shift, then the second you have the ability to go back and do the other things, you're going to go back to that behavior because you didn't really embrace the change. God, give us unapologetic habits that draw close to your heart. Let us not miss your direction. Number two, the second way, if we're going to experience breakthrough with God, if we're going to experience financial breakthrough, we must have, number two, a God-directed why for your finance. I want you to go through each of the five pillars that we talked about, spending, saving, earning, investing. I want you to go through them all. And I want you to say, God, what am I believing you for and why? God, what am I believing you for in this area and don't you miss part two, why? Why do you want the house paid off? Why do you want the certain salary, why? And here's the other caveat, what is the God-directed why? Where is God glorified in the why? Where is the area where God says, that's right, I do need the house paid off, and they will hold small groups there, and they will hold church functions there, and they will hold retreats there, and this will be a place of refuge for my children. What's the why? What's the why? What's the God-directed why for your finance? Because as we talked about, it has to be more than the first four layers of being self-serving. Our why is not a God-directed why if it only involves our enrichment. God is asking us this morning, what's your God-directed why? In the last area, if we're going to experience financial breakthrough, we must have a faithful management of God's resources. God's not interested in blessing us this morning, City Place for there to be nothing more than holes in your pockets. God is uninterested in taking his, his, his masterful work and letting it go to waste for people who will squander. We have to be obsessive about stewarding God's resources and his influence and his impact with care the way he would ask us to do it. You see, when we think of something, something's value, we act accordingly. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ty? I had this, um, this uh, nickel that was given to me when my grandfather passed away. Now, as a little girl, I remember him sitting at a table much like this. He would spread out all of the change that he kept for the entire week. And he would meticulously turn over each of the pennies. Happened about once a week, and I, I just, I remember it so strongly. I, I never participated in it. I just watched him do it at the kitchen table. And he, he would turn over all of the pennies. And he said, I'm looking for one cent pennies. I said, Grandpa, all pennies are worth one cent. No, not all pennies are worth one cent. The ones that have this inscription are old 
and they have value. I had no idea until after my grandfather died that he had way more than pennies. Those days when he was turning over coins, what I felt like was nothing on the kitchen table. I realized he had uh, um, uh, some, some coins, some nickels, that were so rare that the inscriptions on the back have only been made a couple hundred times in all of its printing. And he managed to find them in the midst of turning over coins in the kitchen table. He was such a faithful man. Of course, he enjoyed it. But what he demonstrated to me is something that it's hard for me to vocalize. That regardless of what everybody else said, that he was wasting his time with coins, he treated something that could be of value very differently. You see, when you and I understand that it's God's kingdom and that it's his resources, that he has entrusted to us, not to lord over as our own, but to manage with his heart and with his care, we will operate with our finances differently. I believe this morning, like no other, He's asking you to define your why, to manage those resources appropriately, and to take action for what he has already spoken to you. I'd love to pray for you this morning, City Places, as we conclude our time this morning, that the words that have been spoken here will stir you up and bring you clarity like you've not had before, but give you direction to get it moving. Father, I pray right now for all of those watching, God, that we would understand and draw close to your heart like we've never done before. God, we don't need money for money's sake. I pray that money for no one listening would be a distraction or something that would be a wedge between us, God. But God, as we draw close to you and you give us God direction and you give us God purpose, God, will you give us the discipline and the ability to manage your resources well so that you say to us one day, well done, my good and faithful servants. God, would you say that of us? I thank you, Lord, for a spirit of clarity and generosity to fall on your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Church, with that being said, I believe the word of the Lord. I believe that he's given us a great example in his word. And I believe that he is calling you and drawing you to new heights like he's never done before. And maybe you'd be watching this morning and you say, Pastor Ty, this has been an incredible message, but the truth is, if you asked me, I am not 100% right with the Lord this morning, and can he bless me? And my answer is, for you, friend, there is no time like the present for us to fix that predicament. It's easy. We say a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. I believe you still speak, and you speak to me. Help me understand. So if that's you this morning and you're watching, maybe you've 
gone away from the Lord. Maybe you've accepted him at some point in your life, but at this particular moment, you're far from him, or you've never prayed this prayer before. I'm gonna ask you right where you are, right where you are watching to repeat this prayer after me. Say Jesus, say his name loud and proud. Say Jesus, I declare that you died for me, that you rose again for me, and I am your child. I'm asking you for direction for my finance and my entire life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, it's a big, bold, bad move when you do something like that, when you pray a powerful prayer like that. I'm gonna ask you to send us a little note so we can know and celebrate and join with all of the angels who are throwing a big party this morning for that decision that you've made. And we wanna be able to give resources to you and, and help you along in this journey so you know exactly what next steps you can take to honor God with your life. Last city place, we would be remiss in a series our finances and talking about the hope we have in Christ if we didn't honor the Lord right now in a time of giving and generosity. And I just want to ask you if the Lord has touched you this morning, if he's begun to speak to you, giving you clarity, I am asking you for quick action this morning that you would be fully obedient who owns it all anyways. We get to join together as brothers and sisters in this time of giving and our time of tithe and offering is so awesome because it's the what I call the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you have a billion dollars in the bank or if you have ten dollars in the bank. God says, cool, what I'm going to do is tell everybody, regardless, big or small, sideways or backways, I'm going to give you 10% and equalize it all. God equalizes it in our time of giving. So and this is the time that I love because it's saying, God, I'm not gonna just hear with my ears. I'm ready to do, to act, to behave, not to dig a hole. I'm here to make this thing grow. Let me pray for you one more time as we offer the Lord our giving. Father, thank you for a spirit of generosity. I thank you, Lord, for ears to hear, for hands and feet to do, and for hearts that are fully aligned with you this morning. God, will you bless our seed as we offer it to you? We are not just giving it to give, where it's not just aimlessly in the wind, it's directed finance. And God, we pray that it would be an honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. City Place, I love you so much, and we can't wait to see you next week. Will you like and share this post this morning? Will you get the word of God out there to your, your friend group and your family who are watching? And, and let the Lord's name be uh, lifted up high this morning. City Place Church, I love you with the love of the Lord. I can't wait to see you again next week. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And you can share with your friends. Take a screenshot, post on your social media stories, and tag us at City Place Church.